0: Today's program is brought to you by Regional Access. Regional Access is a regional distributor committed to creating sustainable economies throughout the Northeast. For more information, visit regionalaccess.net. On behalf of our family of hosts, staff, and the millions of listeners who have tuned in since 2009, we want to wish you happy holidays and ask for your support as we launch our daily in-house news coverage. Please consider making us a part of your end-of-year giving in 2013. Your membership donation is tax deductible and the best way to show you believe in our work and the importance of a free, food focused media resource. Consider donating today at heritageradionetwork.org by clicking the donate button. Thanks for your support and enjoy the show.
1: Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat e. Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arroy, and it is a very cold Monday afternoon here at Heritage. We're at uh, Roberta's Pizza, as usual, and um, perhaps aptly so, too, because I'm chatting today with the author of a new book called Brooklyn Chef's Table Extraordinary Recipes from Coney Island to Brooklyn Heights. And uh, this book just came out, but she is also the editor and food critic for Brooklyn... Magazine, The L Magazine. She's an associate editor of restaurantgirl.com, food critic uh, for Brooklyn Industry Magazine, and a contributor to Every Day with Rachel Ray. It's Sarah Zorn.
2: Hi, Kathy. How are you? Good. Thanks. Thanks Thank for joining. You. Thank you so much for having me in today. Well, I'm glad you could make it here all the way from Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I know it seems odd to to tell a person, a Brooklyn person that, but I really could not live any further from Bushwick. Actually, me too. Wait, where do you live? I live in Bath Beach, which is really... Super 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 far south. So, oh, okay, you're farther south than me. Okay, yeah, <laughs> there's very few people farther south than me. <laughs>
1: Interesting. So, but you're also uh, born and raised Brooklynite. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, and you grew up in
2: I grew Lansing? up in Park. No, I grew grew up in Park Slope actually, but it was okay. Park Slope in the '80s, so it wasn't you know quite as desirable a neighborhood as it is today. I I like to joke that I've lived in every neighborhood before it got cool. So, <laughs> if you're looking for a hot real estate tip, you just follow me when I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to move. <laughs> you move right in. Alright, let's go down to Bath <laughs> Bath Beach. It's Beach. not popping anytime soon though, so yeah. you're gonna have to wait. Oh on that. sorry. Okay. <laughs>
1: um but you know, I love how you talk about in your intro um the old days when uh your mom would take you to Coney Island in the summer for some hot dogs or and you got you guys would go in the winter maybe to I, I think Bensonhurst for some old school red, red sauce palaces. And, you know, sometimes to Brighton Beach for some knishes. And maybe going down to downtown Brooklyn to uh, Junior's for some cheesecake. Can you imagine? But (laughs) you guys never thought of going to Williamsburg or Bushwick
2: oh my god no no way I mean I, I grew up in the 80s um, my mom was a single mother she had two tiny twin children to take care of so absolutely not there was uh, there was no reason to go to Williamsburg no reason to go to Bushwick no reason to go to Green Point um, no reason if you valued your life to go to Park Slope below Fifth Avenue so mm-hmm. yeah our options were definitely limited but I still remember growing up surrounded by incredible incredible food and it was definitely not um you know, a time when children grew up on fish sticks and chicken nuggets, you ate what your mama told you to eat. And Mm -hmm. if you grew up in Brooklyn, your mama brought you out for knishes and, you know, West Indian roti and all of that. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we ate around the neighborhood. And so that was my reality just growing up on this incredible, multi ethnic Brooklyn food.
1: It's so fascinating. I think that this book really um, drives home the, the phenomenon and really help of, of that we're seeing right now of like everyone's talking about the Brooklyn food renaissance and how the hottest restaurants are in Brooklyn um, instead of Manhattan. Right. Um, and it's, I think it's an important part of trying to tell that story and explaining the history behind it because a lot of people are not really sure where it started. And, you know... How it came to be, but you've seen this, you know, firsthand um, throughout the years. Um, I like how you describe that. Actually, sort of in Park Slope is where we saw in the later nineteen nineties. But Aldi long. Um, on Fifth Avenue, of all right, places. Imagine.
2: And when they, you know, when you talk to the restaurateurs that really appear to be, have been at the forefront of the Brooklyn boom, and even they can't put their figure on, finger on why or when it actually started. But when you talk to these restaurateurs like Saul Bolton, who just moved, obviously, but he had his seminal spot, Saul Smith on Street. Smith Street. And um, Anna Klinger, who had Aldi Law on Fifth Avenue, really, when they started, they were just looking for places where they could afford the rent, rent just yep. like anybody else. So Saul got his place on Smith Street, which I would imagine those spaces now go for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. But he paid, I think, a $1,000 a month rent to start. And um, the Aldi Law spot on Fifth Avenue was a tiny little corner spot, and they couldn't it, afford an awning. And yeah. so basically, <laughs> they... Just like anybody else, they picked their place out of necessity um, and they, you know, just did them and they made amazing food and people eventually found them. But again, if you ask Saul Bolton, owner of Saul, if you ask Anna, Anna Klinger about Aldila, even they, who, who you'd think would have some sort of um, an inside track on what caused the Brooklyn boom, they can't, they can't really no. explain it either. They, they really can't. Um, I know that I personally, having grown up in Brooklyn, having grown up around amazing food, um, I can't help but smile when people talk about Brooklyn food being a trend or Brooklyn being suddenly hot. I mean, I, I think that it's true that the larger world or even you know, people that live in Manhattan or, or beyond are just starting to take notice of us, but I don't think that you could ever call Brooklyn food a trend. Brooklyn food has been exciting, exciting, and diverse and popping since forever. It's just the trend now is people outside of Brooklyn are taking it. Yes, that's, that's, that's so true. And
1: it. and also like the food hotspots, just uh, you know, journey throughout the borough um, for for one reason or another. Um, like as you were saying, you know, the the kind of um, places that that informed one of your. Uh, choices here. Actually, the first one, it was Di Colu- Colucchio and Sons. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's Sons. like mm-hmm. one of the old standbys of this um, once thriving little Italy, yeah. really in Bensonhurst, in Bensonhurst with like all these wonderful dairy and pasta and shops that, right. um, or charcuterie and so forth um, that you can get there. So it's really just uh, kind of like, you know, people migrate to different areas right. um, throughout um, but it is interesting because, um, you know, I was actually just in San Fran last week and I saw a lot of, you know, chatter about Brooklyn. And I also saw a lot of remnants of, you know, Brooklyn artisanal goods in stores, which is totally bizarre because they have their own. Sure. But, um, yeah. That's interesting. To yeah. You, actually. And, uh, you know, I get this impression they think Brooklyn is this one place or this like it has a common theme. Do you think there is any common themes to Brooklyn food as a
2: whole? I mean, I think that when. You ask, we were just talking about this when you because because very bizarrely, um, Brooklyn has become really hot in places like Sweden and Moscow and Germany and Paris, where they call where they call things, you know, Trey Brooklyn. That's a a badge of honor. And, you know, again, I couldn't say what Brooklyn means to them, except I think that their um, understanding of the Brooklyn scene is small and specific and has more to do with the Williamsburg slash Greenpoint slash Bushwick artisanal so. movement huh. more than anything else. And, you know, Grant, I, I, I would not take anything away with how important this current movement is to Brooklyn. It certainly isn't all of Brooklyn. Um, but what I try to examine in the book is all aspects of, of Brooklyn food, where we started, where we 've come, where we 're going, and I think that the story of the artisanal food movement that 's really taking place in North Brooklyn is going to eventually become as as important and as seminal of a moment in Brooklyn food history as the olden days of Red Sauce Italian and, you know, German immigrants giving us hot dogs. You know, you can't discount any one part of the movement as much as it kind of pains me that, you know, Brooklyn is only being viewed as Williamsburg or Bushwick. You know, Mm -hmm. who who knows what's going to leave its imprint on what Brooklyn is. This is the time that I'm growing up with. And, you know, maybe 40 years ago, real Brooklyn to people meant you know salamarias and you know polish sausage shops and and that will always be um but this is the moment we live in now and it'll be interesting to see what kind of imprint the current artisanal movement leaves on brooklyn food in the in the long term so i don't want to take that away either it's all it's all important it's all interesting and it's all rife for exploration
1: I thought it fascinating while flipping through this book that, um, and it's organized by different uh, restaurants or or bakeries or some sort of food uh, outfit. Um, but flipping through it, you'll see like really new kind of innovative places um, like those, you know, more Williamsburg-centric. I can't talk today. But then you'd come <laughs> the across cold. like the, the places that have been real st- – you know, just hallmarks of neighborhoods like Lesky's Bakery in Bay Ridge, Mm um, L&B Spumoni Gardens in Gravesend, um, people are hanging on and holding true to tradition. And, and then I like, I realized that some of these newer places are actually really holding on to tradition, um, as well. They just happen to be new. And, and perhaps like Arthur on Smith, for example, Mm -hmm. like that's a real kind of like the the type of food is really old school, Mm -hmm. um, Italian of the, of the chef's, uh, youth that he remembers. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe we're, these new chefs are just like really informed by their environment. And
2: well, that's what I, I, and you, you mentioned them already, but I, I kind of loved, um, Frankly, it was it was al- it was organized alphabetically, but but <laughs> but because they began with A, the book does open with ALC Italian Grocery in Bay Ridge, um, and I love because I feel like. Because we open with ALC, we essentially open with the mission statement of the book, which is exploring past, peasant, present, and future Brooklyn food. And ALC Grocery in Bay Ridge is owned by Louis Coluccio. He's the grandson of the original D. Coluccio. Mm-hmm. Um sons he was the son of the son, um, so and, and that still exists in Bensonhurst in Bay Ridge he's kind of revitalized that and there's men, there are many aspects of ALC um, that really hearken directly back to the old school Salem area you'll see dyed in the wool Brooklyn people in there getting their pursuit as I say um, <laughs> But you'll also see the younger generations of Brooklynites. Um, like, right after is Arancini Brothers, which and Aaron, is right around,
1: around the corner yes. here, which <laughs> is, you know, the rice balls of Southern Italian, um, you know, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Act- and, um, but they, they, they do so... They make them with such um, a gusto that is very modern. You know, they say,
2: we got balls. And, you know, they're, <laughs>
1: like, stuffed with all these crazy things. No, they've
2: got amazing Brooklyn <laughs> attitude. But um, but But so it's really... It's examining everything together and telling all of these individual stories and hopefully seeing how they together, woven together, tell the greater story of Brooklyn. So with ALC and DiColuccio, you're seeing... Uh, younger generation coming from the same tradition of the old school Salamarian Bensonhurst trying to recreate that not too far away but trying to recreate that in Bay Ridge and taking a little bit of the old and taking a little bit of the new and putting them together and appealing to all generations and creating a kind of new entity of Brooklyn Italian food so I love that the book opens with that because it really very clearly um encompasses what I'm trying to show in this book. So, yes, we have places like Ellen b Spumoni Gardens have been around for 70-some-odd years. And then we have places like Yuji Ramen, um, big deal, Smorgasburg vendor. He's going to have his own restaurant in Williamsburg soon. But... You know, you take something like ramen, which is relatively new to New York City. Um, You take the style he does Mazamin, which is new even in Tokyo. It's just a new art form overall. And then you see you take a, uh, a brand of food entirely new in Brooklyn. And yet even Yuji is paying respect to the borough and the food culture of Brooklyn by making, we have the recipe for a salmon and cheese mazamin, which is directly inspired by our good old like bagels and lox. Mm -hmm. So I love that a food artisan that anybody would think is so entirely new Brooklyn, out in Williamsburg, which if you ask somebody out in super southern Brooklyn like me, (laughs) have (laughs) their own like opinions of what Williamsburg is. Um, You know, an immigrant from Japan working out of Smorgasburg doing this very new brand of ramen and still taking what is really instrumental to our food culture. And I love that paying respect, paying homage. So connecting the new with the old.
1: And then we also have a wonderful uh, kosher deli. Uh, what was it called here? Mildazin. That, that is explored and, and that really helps tie together that story, which is yeah. lovely. Yeah. Um I uh, have so many questions to ask but how did you choose the restaurants um, because you had to whittle it down to right, some selection right. but uh, we're going to cut to a quick little commercial and musical interlude and we'll be right back
0: you are listening to Broke Down by the California Honey Drops on the Heritage Radio Network dot org Today's program is brought to you by Regional Access. Regional Access is a regional distributor committed to creating sustainable economies throughout the Northeast. This community-oriented company was built on a vision of providing ecologically responsible and ethically produced food to area consumers. During a typical week at the Regional Access warehouse, they help move thousands of pounds of natural and grass-fed meat, gallons of farm-fresh dairy, and tons of organic and specialty foods from producer to market. Having been in the distribution business for almost 25 years, Regional Access's experience and knowledge make them uniquely equipped to build out their region's food web. Up in the Finger Lakes, Regional Access will continue to champion the region's bounty and work toward a sustainable food system for the entire Northeast. For more information, visit regionalaccess.net.
1: All right, we're back chatting with Sarah Zorn. She's the author of Brooklyn Chef's Table, Extraordinary Recipes from Coney Island to Brooklyn Heights. It is a cookbook, and um, it does have lots of gorgeous photographs. So while we, we are geeking out right now about <laughs> the greater, I don't know, Brooklyn food uh, scene, um, it is really accessible, and I think that the recipes um, are really just delicious also. So thank you. I, I can attest
2: to that. The, re- <laughs> the recipes are amazing. And I think if you're familiar at all with Brooklyn's food scene, you are going to be so excited that the chefs gave up some of their best loved recipes. I think I saw when I knew the book was in the making, but not out yet. I saw online a bunch of people talking about the Porky Melt at Pork Slope and how much they wanted the recipe for that. Oh. And I was, oh, wait, there just just wait, just Yay. wait. It's here. It's here. And and they're actually there. There's incredible amount of diversity um, in the recipes, of course, and in the skill level that's mm. required by the recipes. Mm. Now, when I went about gathering these recipes from the chef, I didn't want to put any regulations really on what recipe they gave me. I just wanted, I I wanted to put it out to the chefs to give me the recipe that they thought best represented them because more than anything, I'm I'm trying to tell their story. I'm trying to represent in a page or two or three um, what they're about. And I also didn't want to assume that all home cooks operate at the same level. So you could find a recipe in here that you could easily make with just a few ingredients on a Tuesday night for dinner. Or mm-hmm. if you want to spend a little more time and equip yourself with some xanthan gum or a <laughs> smoker. I mean, there's there's recipes for all skill level. Um, and, and it's a lot of fun. I, I, I didn't want to assume that our readers only knew how to make a pasta casserole. And if you don't cook it all you can enjoy the pretty pictures, and that's totally okay. Yeah. Nobody's going to judge you.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. Um. So, but how did you go about um, choosing? Because there's, I don't know, about 50 here? 60. 60, 60. In restaurants. Mm-hmm. And how many food businesses are there in, in Brooklyn? That is that, oh impossible? my God, impossible? Oh, I couldn't
2: even harbor a guess. Yeah. No.
1: So, you know, the book could have who knows what kind of combination. So, how did you, yeah, I know. How did you decide where they're, you know, was there heartbreaks over what you couldn't? Yeah, do?
2: I mean that's obviously the hardest part. This book could have taken all sorts of forms, and as you said, all sorts of combinations. Just because there are sixty restaurants in here doesn't mean I only love and endorse sixty restaurants <laughs> in Brooklyn. Obviously, this book could have been endless. It could have been massive. It could have been an encyclopedia. Of and they had to participate too.
1: They had to be willing to get their photo. And uh, it's you know. true. And
2: there's you know. I had mostly yeses which is really great but mm-hmm. you know there are some places and really the older places um like uh, god love them I'll mention their name it's no 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 hate here <laughs> I asked Rindazos in Sheep's Head Bay and they're actually kind of notorious for keeping tight reins <laughs> on their recipes so they th- I, I would have loved to feature old school place like Randazzo's. But there are just some restaurants that, you know what, they're not, they don't really care if they're gonna be in a cookbook. They're not out to get media attention. Their recipes are their recipes, and that's totally okay, I didn't push. So there were a couple of people that weren't interested or didn't want to let go of their recipes but for the most part everybody was really excited to participate and I was so excited to have them and again there were so many more restaurants that I could have asked but this is you know these are the restaurants that I came up with and I tried really hard to get an even spread from all neighborhoods Mm -hmm. again I didn't just want to tell the story of Bensonhurst as much as I just didn't want to tell the story of Williamsburg Mm -hmm. you can't tell the story of Brooklyn if you don't have you know relatively equal representation from neighborhoods all over so I tried to get an even spread um, a couple of restaurants for, from each obviously it's not entirely exhaustive I dread the first time I hear somebody say that I made a hipster book because Lord knows I didn't I I was trying for nothing of the sort I I'm a born and raised Brooklyn girl I would have loved to have the tiny little you know um, Dumpling places in Sunset Park and the little pelmeni places in Brighton Beach, but you know what? Not everybody understands, you know, or, what it means to give up the recipe or where exactly. it's going, or it, think, it takes a certain amount of media savvy to really know what you're getting into and feel comfortable with it.
1: And do you think that's a generational thing? Like, because um, you know, there's there's obviously there's something to say about keeping a recipe secret, which is. You know, I I think that a lot of maybe old school vendors, um, you know, I was just actually in Taiwan researching a book and, you know, a lot of people want to keep their secret uh, recipes secret because that's their that's their cash cow. You know, that's
2: that's, you know. That's
1: how they get lions out there, and, and I
2: totally respect that. It's just don't expect to see um, a tell-all of Sunset Park anytime soon, right? Because it's those places—they're—they're they're not in it for that. They're just out to right. make their, you know, make their dishes, and, and that's
1: and, fine. And nowadays, we're seeing, you know, a lot of—I mean—new th- restaurants are clamoring for ink, you know, in mm. in public publicity, right? Um, and we were just talking a little bit off air about how a lot of these uh, restaurants are coming out with a with cookbooks which is something i know nothing about hosting a show (laughs) about cookbooks your calendar is going to be full (laughs) so um you know this is a new kind of philosophy of you know publicity pr Mm -hmm. that maybe was um not so important um to the older
2: certainly not i mean no and uh, I actually I, I love this story. And forgive me if it's long and rambling, and neither here nor there. But um, I'm actually really surprised that I did wind up getting recipes at all from Ellen B. Spumoni Gardens in Gravesend. And not mm-hmm. only did I get one, I got four. Because again, like Rindazos, um, they're a little cagey about letting go of their recipes. Mm-hmm. They did have their their famous Sicilian style pizza recipe stolen in the past, <laughs> um, but. I, I do have them, but I love the fact that even though I have the recipe, they kept it so old school. They are my like Brooklyn experience through and through. In order to get these recipes, I couldn't call them on the phone. They don't pick up the phone. I couldn't email them. They don't have email. I had to go in for a sit down. I had to talk to them, what I, uh, tell them what was going on. We had to had, have a big sprawling dinner, get to know each other before they would even agree to do this book. In order for me to get the recipes, Um, Well, at first they said that they were going to, you know, type up the recipes and send it to me, but that didn't happen. Um, I showed up one day and they're like they said oh oh we got the recipes for you and it was like the stack of crumpled papers and basically it said like veal meatballs and tomato sauce on <laughs> it like not mm-hmm. no, like no measurements so like no and i don't have veal meatballs veal in the meatballs. book anyway <laughs> but that was basically <laughs> yeah but that was basically like a little crumpled paper recipe <laughs> that you're like nona would have stuck in you know her recipe box because they don't that's they they're, they're they yeah. don't come from a tradition of, of, of you know of these prepared PR written down recipes like, ready know, to go out to the media
1: appointed to do that. So at I the so
2: restaurant. you know what and obviously that wasn't going to work a scrap of paper that said veal meatballs on it. So I went back and we had another sit down and the <laughs> chef and owner Lenny brought out his slew of line cooks and we all sat around a big table and we ate and ate and ate and, ate and he from his mind with the help of his sous chefs told me every tiny little step of the recipe, every ingredient, every measurement. I scrawled them longhand on a notepad. Would it have been a lot easier for him to have sent me sent me a Word document like pretty much everybody else in the book? Absolutely. <laughs> it would have yeah. made my life a lot easier. But this is a book about Brooklyn food and authentic Brooklyn businesses. And if L&B Spumoni Gardens sent me a sheath of crumpled napkins that said veal meatballs on them. I think that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so just I have a picture of that. Yeah, <laughs> I should have. <laughs> I should have. You know, forget about the recipe. Yeah. Forget about the recipe. Um, yeah, and,
1: amazing. and so you don't have to name specifically any restaurants, but did you encounter any newer um, producers or restaurateurs who were um, just not that savvy, difficult to track down, didn't really care about the media at all? Of uh, that ever of every,
2: happen? No, of everybody that wound up in the book, I mean, they're in the book because they wanted to be in the book and okay. they responded right away and they were excited about all of it. I really didn't have Any very problem? many experiences at all of people saying no besides Rondazos or a couple, couple of people who were just right. so inundated um, by um, whatever was going on in their own business cookbooks that they that they were writing but otherwise I could count on one hand how many no's I got everybody that was in this book was so ready to participate and I didn't you know I didn't choose them randomly either even though there were there are obviously hundreds upon hundreds upon that hundreds like of, to, of yeah. restaurants that I could have included I really feel that everybody in this book has their own story to tell that when you put it together like a puzzle piece with all of the different restaurants, they have a really worthwhile um, and telling contribution to what Brooklyn food was, is, and will be.
1: I mean, the ethnic diversity alone is just—it's just, it's just uh, mind-boggling because you, it could have, it could have, you know, basically circled the globe, yes, <laughs> you know, yes. with um, what we have in Brooklyn. So um, I, I think that I. You know, you did a great job on um, choosing and whittling that down. Um, you know, there's, and it sounds like you know, like throughout your experience, both growing up and also being a food writer, it sounds like you went with places that you just were um, touched by the stories of. Um, absolutely, it was like a personal thing, which was really cool.
2: Oh yes, absolutely. They were either places that I grew up with or learned about through my job as a food editor. Or, you know, there are a couple of places that even they got on my radar when I was compiling the restaurants for this book and it was like kismet. Like mm-hmm. I, they, it was the perfect time for them to come um, into my sphere because they absolutely belong in this book as well. So it's. Yes, they were all chosen by me and chosen by me for a reason, and I certainly didn't scroll through Yelp and right, just you know, like <laughs> end up with whoever came up at that moment. The ones yeah. that you should end up with,
1: <laughs> like Roberta's. Why aren't, Why aren't? Why isn't it here? I
2: know. Playing. I was waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, you know, I think we're all perfectly aware that they have an incredibly gorgeous cookbook that is incredibly popular and is going to sell a million copies. So right they don't now. need little on me. <laughs> And neither do these restaurants, by the way, and some of them have cookbook deals in, in the works. As some is, of them. But. Some of them.
1: Yeah, it's, it's becoming more and more common. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's telling of like the general generational differences that we're just uh, talking about how um, they're more open and willing to really, you know, be out there and mm. uh, have your recipes. Um, stolen <laughs> uh, but i'm right now i'm salivating over this freaka with lamb from yes. tannerine in mm. bay ridge mm-hmm. um Middle they Eastern. have a cookbook coming out oh, too no, okay, no. um yeah. it's just so fascinating uh, do, are there any favorite recipes um from the book that you want to call out maybe maybe something you're looking forward to making with your family for A nice holiday meal?
2: Um, Well, you know, I did just for Thanksgiving make the burrata from Anella in Greenpoint. It has basil salt and tomato jam. I I chose that because I was assigned a cold appetizer and it's oh. just not my style to bring a bag of chips or some hummus. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I figured it was the perfect opportunity to give the burrata a test drive because I've been promising myself that I'm going to teach myself to make cheese. For that's oh. on my like laundry list of, you know, fiddly so, little cooking things that I need to become adept at. So
1: Oh my gosh, so you made the burrata. Made the burrata. By by squeezing the mozzarella and and filling it with
2: cream mm, it doesn't you know what is wrong with burrata nothing nothing I'm so at all glad
1: that you have a recipe for that thank you so much <laughs> i'm actually going to try that now oh, that you good. say that because oh, buying burrata is like kind of dicey you know? yeah it's you might want to quadruple then... the recipe though i will tell okay. you that right oh, now
2: good to know yeah well not the cheese at least because you're going to want to eat the cheese all for yourself so if you plan on sharing it you're going to want yeah quadruple. yeah you never can have enough yeah
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing that recipe and so many great others, guys. If you want to check out how to make burrata with basil salt and tomato jam like they do at Anila and so many other secrets from these amazing restaurateurs, um, check out Brooklyn Chef's Table. And thank you again, Sarah, for joining us. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks, everyone, at Heritage.